Way back when you were young, I had it on my phone and I had these two little children's voices singing. <clears throat> when you were young, you probably learnt a, a lot of nursery rhymes. <clears throat> we were up in Canberra about, I don't know, eight months ago and going through some gardens there. Uh, they have gardens where you can walk through and they had these nursery rhyme place. And there was, I think, every nursery rhyme you could think of <laughs> and, and uh, character in there. And I don't know if you've been there, but they, they're all the old ones. And there was different ones, but this one's, I thought of, and this is the world's attitude today. Row, okay, see, <laughs> row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Ah, see, I knew you knew it. <laughs> Who didn't know it? Who's never heard it? See, I told you. <laughs> You've all heard it, and it's on there, and they've got this little boat on the phone going down to there's a giraffe and another, you know, animated animal going there. And then they sing it in parts, and once you get to a certain stage, the other part starts, and then they all sing it. And I was going to have that on the phone, and you probably would have joined in. But that's the attitude of people in life today, isn't it? Merrily, merrily, merrily. Life is but a dream. It's all going fine, and it's going okay. You know, it's just an illusion. Life is just an illusion. And I've told you of the story when we're in a motel in Jerusalem, and the young Israeli lady in early third early 30s, probably late 20s, and she was talking to a boyfriend who was on the side of the counter where we were, and, and <clears throat> Andrew started witnessing to her, and she said, life is just an illusion anyway, and Andrew was quick to pick up on that. Well, this motel is an illusion, we're an illusion, we'll just go and stay in the room that's an illusion, and this money is an illusion, so we don't have to pay. <laughs> and she was very quick to say, no, 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 you have to pay. Well, no, we don't, it's an illusion. <laughs> and she laughed, she got the point we had to pay <laughs> but life is not just an illusion it's real eternity is real <laughs> and <clears throat> it's not just fun and games life is for a purpose we're born for a reason and we're going to die Christ was born to die to die for the sins of mankind and one day we're going to die and it depends on what we've done with Christ in our life as to where we go for eternity. After that, the judgment, it says. But that's the way people are living today. It says in the scriptures that that's the way people would live. In Matthew 28 and 30, 38, 24 and 38, it says, For as in the days of Noah that were before the flood, they were eating and they were drinking, they were marrying, and giving in marriage. There's nothing wrong with doing those things. In fact, the Lord instructed them at, the, at creation to do that. Until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them away, all away, so shall it also be in the coming of the Son of Man. And in Second Peter 3, verse 3 through to 7, knowing this verse, that there should come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? 
For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God, <clears throat> and we move down the verses a bit, that the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word, the same word back then in Noah's time that promised a flood to come, are kept in store, reserved unto fire. Then the promise was that God would send a flood. And Noah, a preacher of righteousness, preached for 120 years, faithfully preaching that there was a flood coming. And people mocked and scoffed and laughed as he, pre as he preached and built that ark. We preach faithfully that the Lord is coming. There's a fire going to consume this world totally with terrible judgments preceding it. A fire against the day of the judgment and perdition of ungodly men. And what did people do? No, it won't burn. How could water burn? How could this all work? This all work? It's going to happen based on the word of the living God that created this world. And the perdition of ungodly men. This is going to happen. But merrily, merrily, life is but a dream. The world goes on. And it's no joke, folk. It's real. It's true. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would see the seriousness of what you have recorded in your word. And that any folks listening in would see the seriousness of life and of eternity. We have but the promise of 70 years. And life is short. It's like the falling of a leaf, like the binding of a sheaf of hay. It's like the puff of the steam out of a kettle. It's like the breath on a frosty morning. I pray that we would see the brevity and do business with our Creator. Believe by faith on Him. Anyone listening in or here today would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Lord, for Christians that would be serious about our Christian life. We know that all things we have to do with in this life will one day be burnt up. And we need to place the emphasis on the things that will not be consumed. On the things where the in heaven <laughs> that cannot be touched by the judgment to come. Lay up our treasures in heaven. Lord bless us as we consider these things this morning. For we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't want to be irreverent in what I'm going to do now. But this is something we need to consider. Say the Lord is over here and he's saying, knock, knock. The world's over here and says, who's there? God says... It's God. And the world says, God? God? 
He doesn't exist. What's God's reply? I do. The sovereign God of the universe. What does the world reply with today? Our scientists say and have proved you don't. God would say, who are they? What scientists? And who does the world say? Darwin. Darwin. <laughs> Mr. Dawkins. Mr. Dawkins. Mr. Evolutionist. Who? Mr. Attenborough. Who else? A physicist. Einstein. Einstein. You don't have to name the scientists, but you can name the fields they're in. And that's what the world says to God. We've proven you don't exist. (laughs) You know, God is knocking. And God says, but I have proven that I have existed over the millennia. I have been knocking for 6,000 years. I have knocked. The phone. I have knocked when you were innocent and you sinned. I have knocked for 1,640 years in conscience, in your human conscience, and you all ended up corrupting yourself except for one family called Noah and his family. Only eight souls were saved. And I poured out judgment. And the evidence is everywhere around the world, hundreds of metres thick, with bones of dinosaurs that you're digging up. And there's even DNA in those carcasses now that you said yourselves couldn't exist for the millions and billions of years. You say they've been dead. But now you're finding it. Doesn't that prove to yourself <laughs> that it's not that old as you said it was? You know, they're proving that they're, <laughs> they're putting black marks against themselves. Then I gave you human government, and that failed. And then I gave you the law through a nation called Israel, and they failed it miserably. They didn't keep my laws, but they went into idolatry. And I had to put them out of the land in 586 BC and punish them with a nation called Assyria and Babylon. And I brought them back into the land. And what did they do? They went back into idolatry. Then they made up their own laws. And they built their synagogues. Then I sent my son. And now for 2,000 years I have graciously opened mine arms and said, Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I have been knocking, 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 and the churches of the world have locked me out. And I say in the last book of the Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and... And say, 
Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And you still reject me. The churches are growing smaller that preach the truth. They're locking me out of their churches. They're locking me out of their homes. They're locking me out of their governments. They're locking me out of their hearts. And still I am beckoning them to come in grace. What do you want me to do? Well, today we're going to look at what God is going to do. It's not good. But he has no other option. Mankind is giving him no other option. And those listening in, if you're not a Christian, you are to run to the open arms of the Lord today because it's coming a day and real, real soon when the door is going to slam shut like it did in Noah's day where God shut the door and there was no more mercy, no more grace and the rain started falling and the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the flood came and destroyed everyone that was outside the ark of safety, just like it will soon. We might say it's like a boxing match. And I looked for a better bell than this. <laughs> a more manly one. <laughs> I looked. We had one for Sunday school and Brother Doug said he didn't take it home. <laughs> Round one. <laughs> Round one. We, we started it last week. It was Round one and it's called the... What is it called? The catching up of the saints. The taking away of the Christians. The implications of that will be horrendous for this world. It will be a sign to Israel that something is happening. Because <laughs> Israel requires a sign. Well, we'll give you one, says the Lord. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Two in the, in the field, one taken, the other left. We said it. We quoted it last week, two women grinding, the other taken one left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour the Lord will come. And it is in Matthew 24 and verse 40 to 41. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken in. And for, it's for us today too. You know, you'd be prepared for it. Therefore be ye ready, for in such an hour ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. This is why I am so urgent, and Andrew there over in Israel is so urgent to give sacrificially to getting literature into the hands of the Orthodox and the secular Jews who, just like Paul, are very sincere. They're so sincere, they'll kill people for it. They hate Christians who witness to them. They're very zealous. They're very separate. They're very religious. But they're blind and lost. But one day very soon the penny will drop. The catalyst may very well be. The light that will shine from heaven on their hearts may very well be the disappearance of Christians. And they, like Paul, will believe when he was on the road to Damascus to 
to persecute and imprison and even torture Christians to death. They'll realise, like Paul, they've been kicking against the goats. Then will begin the greatest revival of history. As Revelation chapter 7 tells us, the, the world will see a revival as I think the world has never seen in Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9 where it reads this. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. <clears throat> and after this I beheld and lo a great multitude which no man could number. And it's just talked about the 144,000 that get saved from the 12,000 from every of the tribes of the Jewish nation. And then it talked about this great number of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands and they cried with a loud voice saying salvation to our God who sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb and all the angels stood around about the throne and around about the elders and the four creatures fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God saying amen blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honour power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered saying unto what are these who are arrayed in white robes and from where did they come? These without number that you can't count and, and I said unto him sir thou knowest and he said to me these are they who came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Who told them about the Lord? Who told them to trust in the blood of the Lamb, those that have been sealed to go and testify to the world. These are from all nations of the world, as it says. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night. They shall hunger, neither shall they thirst, the sun won't light on them, neither any heat there been in tribulation. And this is they who have been saved from all the nations of the world. <clears throat> Remember Paul when he got saved in Acts chapter 9? How long did it take for him when that light shone from heaven as he's going to persecute and imprison people in Damascus? That's why he was going there. <laughs> How long did it take him to believe? Instantly. Instantly. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. The Jews know in their hearts, not the secular Jews, the religious Jews that have studied the Old Testament. They know. <laughs> they are just kicking against the goads. Paul, the Lord said to Paul, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. You know when a person, even we, when before you got saved, it's hard for you to kick against the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's hard because he keeps on prompting you. He keeps coming, convicting you. And he did Paul and he did Paul when, Paul, when Stephen preached that sermon. He, Paul was standing there holding the coats of those that persecuted and threw the rocks. And that sermon kept on eating away at Paul day after day, week after week, month after month. And he couldn't get it out of his head. <laughs> And that day on the road to Damascus when that light shone from heaven and God spoke to Paul, he fell down and he got saved. <laughs> and so will these orthodox people on that day. 
This will be the straw that breaks the camel's back on their conviction and they'll trust the Lord and instantly they will turn to the Lord and things will start rolling from that day. Round one will start (laughs) and they will go out and they will testify. It'll have to happen quick because it's only got seven years to all all be fulfilled (laughs) and things will roll on. It'll be like a snowball, you know, down the hill and it'll gather speed (laughs) and it'll pick up speed quickly. And... I've likened it to what happens in Genesis 45. I love that portion. I, I go back and read it, and every time it moves me, if I get emotional, that's <laughs> if you want to get me, you know, with a tear in my eye, I wipe it away real quick. <laughs> that one I read there where Joseph made himself known to his brethren. I look at it, I read it, and, and here he is trying to hold himself back. <laughs> his brethren come to get grain because it you know, he'd been down there and he'd been promoted and there was two year it was two two years into seven years famine. Two years. And they come down to get rain and he treated them real roughly. He spoke to them roughly. He looked like an Egyptian. He he treated them like he was in authority and and they were trembling at the at, the, at his presence. Like the prophecy said that they would, they'd fall before him and bow before him. And, I... and then he couldn't contain himself. He sent all everybody else out, but him and his brethren. And his brethren thought, "This is it. He's going to execute us." <laughs> and then he made himself known to his brethren. And I believe about that time, the Lord is going to make himself known to his people Israel in the seven-year tribulation, about two years in, when they hear the preaching of the 144,000 and after those years, they begin to realise the nation, what's left of them, begin to realise it is Jesus whom we have persecuted, whom we have rejected for 2,000 years. It is he that is our Messiah. And with tears they repent. And by three and a half years, Antichrist has got so mad with them, he offers a pig on their new built altar in Israel, and the abomination of desolation happens. Because what else can Antichrist do? He signed a deal with them at the start of the seven years, and in three and a half years, he's trying to slaughter them all. He's chasing them all around Israel, and God gives them a place to hide for three and a half years. I don't see how else it can work out so quickly in that, in that period. And he's so mad with them because they've turned to their real Messiah instead of the false Messiah, the Antichrist. And so, round one. Now, that's just talking about Israel. What about all the other people? Let's pick on China. We picked on her a bit last year, last week. How many people have you heard Ask Google. <laughs> no, no, don't ask Google. They're unsafe. But how many people have you heard from different sources, from Christian sources, are Christians in China? Three million. Try again. I've heard 70 million Christians in China. Up to 100 million Christians in China. See... Missionaries have been right through that place. If you haven't heard, go into junior church and listen to the missionary stories they're doing there. (laughs) They've been teaching the junior church children. If the rapture happens, 
as it, I believe it will, and you remove that many people from China, where would most of those people who are Christians in China be working? Most of them slaves. You remove the slave force, all those in sweatshops, all those earning the money, of things we buy in the Western country so cheap that they're making the money from. You remove all them. And Chairman, what's his name? Oh, in China. That will cause great consternation in China. It's going to affect the world seriously. Trade everything. When that happens, that would be close, a bit under 10% of the people of China removed. How is he going to explain that? Removed, these people will be removed from their sweatshops, from slavery to the sweet presence of heaven, from communist oppression. Think of it in another light. This is the implications of Christians being removed from the world. If this happens, as a Christian and you've got a little baby and you're taken as mum and dad as Christians to heaven do you think your little baby will be left down here? No. Do you think a God of grace would do that? What about non-Christians with children? If he takes one let me read a couple of Bible verses to you Matthew 18. Now, you can't be dogmatic, but listen to what it says. Matthew 18, verse 3. Unless you be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Wherefore, whosoever shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Mark 10, 14 says, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. So you go study those verses. How many children are in the world presently of the eight, almost eight billion people on planet Earth? Fifteen, if you say fifteen, yeah, I don't know what age. Fifteen and under, a child, when they get to that age of understanding. Fifteen and under, there's 26%. 26% of the world's population is under that age. Under 15. That means 14 and under. The implications of that happening. There's 140 unborn children in the world at any given time. And we believe a person is a person at conception. You think it through, folks. This is going to be reality one day. It could happen today. We don't know. Missing people from everywhere, from all walks of life. From all countries of the world. From families everywhere. From workplaces. Vacancies that cannot be filled in Australia. They can't fill vacancies in workplaces now. Jobs that won't be done. 
Communications won't be happening. They'll be down. Sirens and alarms be going off everywhere. Supplies won't be delivered. Weeping and wailing all over the place. Building projects stopped in the middle of them. Road accidents everywhere. If it's during the day, peak period somewhere in the world. Road accidents, aeroplane crashes, hospitals overwhelmed, nurses not turning up, who are Christians and doctors and specialists. Morgues will be filled with corpses. A time like never before nor after, Matthew twenty four twenty one to 22, tells us it's never been like this. We've, we've witnessed in this world some terrible times, some horrific wars. The Second World War, the great wars we've had in, in the last century. But never will it measure to what has been unless those days be short and there should no flesh be left off on earth, it says in those verses. But in that time of seven years, it's going to be terrible. That's the after the first round. Governments in disarray worldwide, scrambling for answers. And look, like for instance, in our country, if Mr. Morrison is a Christian, he says he is. And he's gone. He's raptured. That's going to just throw our country into disarray. The, the boss is gone. And others in the cabinet say they are too. And in America, there's probably more so in their governments. World government will enact. Martial law will come. Two years ago, if I asked the question, martial law couldn't happen. If I ask that now, can it happen? <laughs> yep. If I said you, you couldn't be locked in your house two years ago, would you, what would you have said? No, nah, not in Australia. We're Aka. We're Aussies. We've got liberty. You know what one American pastor said in Canada to me on the phone? He said, what are you doing down there in Victoria? What are you allowing that fellow to do? I didn't thought, you're Australians. I never thought you would allow someone like that to do what he's doing. That's what they said. They're hearing the news over there. This was back in about a year ago he said that to me. I said, yeah, it's happening. Can it happen? Yep. Martial law, locked in out. Not let no one allowed out. Identification enforced. Did you hear what they were proposing in Victoria, that everyone had to have that code on their house? And the media said, no, 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 don't, you know. I've tried to get that New South Wales thing on my phone. It won't work. West Australia is pretty good. Beep, beep. Oh, we're in. <laughs> I don't know. Mine just won't work. Maybe the Lord doesn't want it to work. <laughs> I had, do you have to put a number in yours? In, oh, anyway. I just say, am I illegal? <laughs> it's going to happen. Pastor Hine was telling me, you know, when, when it happens, when this, this event happens, we're talking about this on Tuesday night after the classes, alien abduction, the aliens have come and taken them all away. <laughs> they've taken our children and they've taken all these crazy people called Christians out of the world. Finally, we got rid of these people. <laughs> 
you know, all these that are obstructing our New Age movement and, and, you know, the liberty to do what we want and to live as we want to morally, immorally, <laughs> yeah, they're gone. And Pastor Heim was saying, you know, in June they're, they're letting out all the secrets of the, from the Army and the Air Force about the UFO thing. And I thought, oh, yeah, because <laughs> it's 50 years old. Sorry? Mr. Obama said this morning he knows all about it. Does he? Oh, okay. I don't. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Let him, let him release it all. I don't know if I'll watch. But it would be a good explanation, wouldn't it? The world can explain away how or why these people have gone. Okay, let's get to round two, because our time is almost gone. And we've got about 20 rounds. (laughs) Round two, Revelation 6. And this is not in order, because they'll happen so quickly. Revelation chapter 6. Oh. (laughs) Round two. Um, And you've got... Seven seal judgments. This is in the first three and a half years. There's a white horse, the false Christ. He does power, signs, and lying wonders in First Thessalonians 2. There's a red horse. War starts. It escalates. Australia will not escape. It doesn't talk about Australia. In the, in the, in the Bible, it, there could be well war down here. It just centers on the Middle East. There's a black horse. There's famine. Famine comes after war. There's a pale horse. Look at verse 8. And I looked and behold, it's chapter 6 and verse 8. And a pale horse, his name that sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. And power was given over them. A fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword. A fourth part, that's 25%. That is, in present population terms, without the rapture and all that people will be taken from there out of the world there that's 25% of the present population that's 2 billion people just with one seal judgment notice in chapter 6 and verse 12 through to 17 and I beheld and when he had opened the sixth seal and lo there was a great earthquake the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell upon the earth even as a fig that casteth their untimely figs when she shaken of a mighty wind and the heaven departed as a scroll it is rolled together and the mountains the islands were moved out of their places and the kings of the earth and great men and the rich men and the chief captains the mighty men notice all these people and every bondman and every freeman hid themselves and for people to say that this has already happened this has not happened in the world never hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains you know what have we started Knock, knock. God is going to get the attention of this world. And this is getting the attention of everybody. The chief captains, the mighty men, the military men, the bondmen, the poor people. They hid themselves in the rocks and mountains and said, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. Finally, he's got their attention. Finally, They recognize that God exists. And from the wrath of the the Lamb of God. For the great day of his 
Finally, someone's acknowledging God. And it's all the world. It's all these people that are listed in that verse. When, and this is early in the tribulation. This is in the first three and a half years. Someone is listening to God knocking. But God has tried every other means. Grace, law, human government, conscience, over 6,000 years. But he has to break in and cause great catastrophe for people to finally acknowledge. Praise God that you today, who are Christians, have acknowledged through the love and grace of God that he does exist and have accepted him. Praise God for anyone else listening in that have done that. And pray that more do before this happens. <clears throat> Round three. <laughs> we won't cover them all. Go to chapter 9 of Revelation and verse 18. Just picking on. And verses chapter 8 to 9 are the seven trumpet judgments. And chapter 9 verse 18 speak of one more. We just pick on. Chapter 9 verse 18. And it says, by these was, th was the third part of men killed. That's the sixth trumpet. So here's a group of seven trumpets. There were seven seals, now the seven trumpet judgments. And it says a third of the men were killed. So if you start with eight, you have a quarter of them in that last seal judgment. That's two billion. There's six billion left. If you take a third of six billion, that's another two billion. You started with eight, you're down to four. That's half the world's population in two only of the judgments that are given. That's two only. That's why I mentioned just those two. Beside all the others and beside the rapture, that's half the world population. You know, these super rich people wanted to half the world's population. That's what they're saying these days. Not, they didn't plan God to do it this way. They're planning other ways. But this God is going to do. And what did he say in the Bible? Unless those days should be shortened, there should no flesh. That's the, it's God's judgments, but man doing a lot of it through warfare himself. Round four. Should I ring the bell again? Round 4. Chapter 10. It talks about seven thunder judgments. And John saw them, and he's about to write it down, and the angel said, don't write it. There's some mystery ones. There's some mystery ones that we don't know about, but they will happen. So they're, they're going to come, but we don't know about them. Round 5. That's a quick one. Round 5. And then there's going to be an invasion of Israel by a northern confederacy. And this is just in three, the first three and a half years, all these things happening. You, <clears throat> if you want to be a news reporter in that period of time, you'll be busy, boy, like woman, whatever. <laughs> and you, <clears throat> let's go to the Old Testament for this one. And I, we want to finish with this one. We won't go to all the other. Maybe we'll look at one to finish because of time. But this is the invasion of Israel by a devastating force from the north, from the south, from the west 
and later from the east. But it's called Gog in this chapter. The leading group from Russia, Meshach, Jubal, Magog and Goma. From Persia, which is Iran. From Tagoma, which is Turkey in verse 6. From Ethiopia, Sudan. And from Libya, verse 5. And from in verse 6, it says many other nations with thee. So there's not just the whole bang lot coming down on Israel. Many people with thee. And it says in verse 12, to take a spoil, to take prey, to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited, Israel, of course, and upon the people that are gathered out of many nations, Israel, of course. And chapter 37 said that the bones that are all gathered together, they've got flesh on them. That's happened in our generation. And perhaps some people living here have saw it all happen. Bones to bones, you know, the ankle to the, to the, well, the foot bone to the ankle bone, the ankle bone to the leg bone and the knee bone to the, you know that song. You've heard that song, and to put on to the, and the Negro spiritual sing it. If you can't get it out of your head once you've heard that song, though you might not like to sing it like they sing it, but you know, and the knee bone to the thigh bone, the thigh bone to the hip bone, hip bone to the back bone, back bone to the shoulder bone, the shoulder bone to the neck bone, neck bone to the head bone. Yeah, and they sing it like that, and and then the flesh comes on them. And they've got flesh on them. They've got an army. And that's what it says in Ezekiel 37. And they've come to get a spoil and to take that nation back, this northern confederacy, led by those from the northern parts. Um, <clears throat> Magog, to destroy. And you know what God does to them when they come to destroy? He's, God sends them packing back. You know what Russia has done to people that they don't like? They send them to where? To punish people in Russia, they send them to Siberia. 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 Look at what Joel says God does to Magog Gog, when they come and attack Israel. Chapter 2 of Joel and verse 20. Is it? 2.20 of Joel. And he said this, But I will remove thee far from off you, the northern army, and will drive them into a land barren and desolate, his face toward the eastern sea, and his rear toward the uttermost sea, and his stench shall come up, and his ill savour shall come up, because he hath done great things. You know where that is? to Siberia what's left of this army that comes to invade Israel is sent to Siberia one sixth of them left now to conclude what I want you to look at in Ezekiel 38 and verse 23 is this Ezekiel 38 23 Well, no, start with verse 16. And thou shalt come up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land, and the heathen that the heathen may know me. The whole purpose of this message is to see that God is going to knock through great and terrible judgments in the last day. 
And this is one of them when this northern confederacy comes down to take Israel over. That the heathen may know me, that I shall be sanctified in the Ogog, which represent representative of these people coming down, especially Russia, before their eyes, that they may know me. I am still on the throne, says God to Gog, to Magog. You look up, you can do it on your phone. <laughs> Who do these nations represent? And it tells you, it goes back to the encyclopedias of old, who these nations of Ezekiel 38 represent. Verse 23 of Ezekiel 38. Thus will I, God, magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, not just Gog, and they shall know that I am the Lord. You know, knock, knock, who's there? God. God is still there. I am the Lord. Chapter 39 and verse 6. And I will send a fire on Magog and among those who dwell carelessly in the isles, not just Gog, many nations, but the isles. And they shall know that I am the Lord. So will I make my holy name known. He has tried every means. The One of the last means God makes himself known by is severe judgment. And they, the people of this planet, finally acknowledge that he is God. And the heathen, in the last part of verse 7, shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. Huh. That Israel knows too. And that Israel is known as the holy nation. And that the heathen shall know. In that verse 7, Israel may know, the heathen may know that he is God. And verse 22 of 39, we're almost done. So that the house of Israel shall, not, shall know that I am their God. Finally, finally Israel, you've recognised that I, Jesus, am your Messiah. And verse 28, the last one. Then shall they know that I am the Lord their God. Oh, today, what is the Lord Jesus doing? He's got his arms open, as in Matthew, and he's saying what? Come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's inviting us through the gospel to himself. Don't wait until it's too late. Because when... As we discovered last week, it happens. It'll happen silently, suddenly, secretly, and swiftly. The rapture will happen so quickly, and it could be now. <laughs> It'll happen like that. And there's no time to change your mind. And then these events will happen, and all the other 20, <laughs> bang, 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 like rapid fire from a gun. Nobody can stop it. No nation can stop it. It'll be horrendous to be left. Trust today. You say, you're trying to scare me into salvation. Wouldn't you rather be scared into heaven than sit here undecisive and go to hell and go in, 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 into the tribulation? It'll be like hell on earth. Literally. Because as we started with, in that verses that Brother Dunn read, 
the, the next time it's going to be by fire. The first time was by a flood. How, how would you like it? Well, the next time you've got no option. It's by fire. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would move in hearts of people. We're not making this up. You are knocking hard at some person's heart right now. And you are saying, behold, I stand at your door and knock, but I'm not going to break the door down, but I'd like to. I want to come in. I want to sup with you and I want to talk with you about me providing you with the option of salvation. But you have to choose me, life and heaven, or your way and the broad way and hell. Make your choice. You will be responsible. Lord, lead a soul to you through grace today by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we feel helpless as humans to convict and convince people because we can't. We sow, we water, but God gives the increase. Draw that one to yourself today. In Jesus' name.